0: Last week we began a series on declaring and decreeing, and we're going to continue uh, that series for the next couple weeks. Uh, Tonight I want to give you a little bit of further instruction on using decrees, and then in the weeks to follow, we're going to look at some stories in the Bible where we see decrees in action. And. They'll be, it'll be powerful, and so um, I hope that you continue to come back to, to hear these messages. In last week's sermon, we, refer, we referenced Job twenty two twenty eight, and Don, I think we have a, a, a slide for that tonight. Thou shalt also decree a thing, and it shall be established unto thee, and the light shall shine upon thy ways." Thou shalt also decree a thing, and it shall be established for thee, and the light shall shine upon the ways. That word decree we talked last week means to cut off, it means to destroy, it means to exterminate, to devour. As you know, a decree is an official order issued by a legal authority. Collins Dictionary defines it as an official order or decision, especially one made by the ruler of a country. Can I just tell you that this Bible is full of God's decrees, full of official orders and decisions made by the supreme ruler of the universe, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the God who means what he says, the God who cannot lie. He is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. He is not sorry that he made these official orders. He's not sorry that he made these decisions about our lives. He, he means what he says, and we can absolutely believe his word. It is the only absolute truth that we can put our trust in, the only thing that we should be relying on and leaning on. I love Dave and Leslie, my husband and my dearest friend, and their word means a lot to me, but if I'm putting all my faith in them, they're going to let me down at some point. The only one that I can truly trust and put my faith in is the Lord Jesus Christ and his word. And as his people, he gave us his word and his authority to use in his name. And we're called to herald. In Bible times, they had heralds that would go through the town, and they would proclaim the king's decree. And our job is to be a herald or a messenger, and to go throughout this earthly realm and declare the king's decrees. Scripture says that God's word is forever settled in heaven. Do you believe that? Do you believe that every last word in this Bible will not fall to the ground? That it is forever settled in heaven. The Amplified Bible translates that verse that his words are firm and unchangeable. Oh, I like that. I especially like the message, uh, this passage in the message. It says, what you say goes, God, and stays as permanent as the heavens. Your truth never goes out of fashion. It's as relevant as the earth when the sun comes up. Your word and truth are as dependable as ever. That's what you ordered. You set the earth going. If your revelation hadn't delighted me so, I would have given up when the hard times came. But I'll never forget the advice you gave me. You saved my life with those wise words. Hebrews 1 verse 6 says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. We talked last week about how faith is total trust in God and his word. And without faith, without totally trusting God, there is nothing, ask Dave, ask Leslie, ask anybody who's close to me, ask my team. There is nothing that upsets me more than when somebody doesn't believe my word. When they question whether I'm telling the truth or not. That upsets me because I am a truth teller. So don't, don't question whether I'm telling the truth. And if I am like that as a human... Can you imagine how offensive it is to God when we question his word, when we question whether he is a truth teller or not? The message says anyone who wants to approach God must believe both that he exists and that he cares enough to respond to those who seek him. Can I tell you, when we hold his word up before him, he acknowledges that. That pleases him. When we say, Lord, I believe what you said about this situation. I am not believing what I'm seeing in the natural. I am believing what you said about my situation. That pleases him. And he will respond to that. I promise you that. So faith is total trust in God and in his word. And when we have that total trust in God and his word, he rewards it. He wants us to believe him. He wants us to have confidence that what he speaks will come to pass, that he is a truth teller. His decrees, decrees that are forever settled in heaven, decrees that are unchangeable. When by faith we begin to declare them over our lives, those decrees do what they were sent to do. Remember, remember that definition of decree, to cut off, to destroy, to exterminate. So when we decree God's word, when we believe it enough to decree it, Bible says, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you shall be saved, delivered. Let's look at that. I have that further in my notes, but it's coming through my mind now, so let's look at it. If you believe in your heart, what is your heart? You've heard me teach on this a million times. What is it? Your mind, your will, your emotion. If you believe in your heart, in your mind, if you have total trust in God, in your, in your mind, in your thinking process, and you confess with your mouth, you shall be saved. I believe you, Lord, and, and I believe you so much that I'm going to confess it with my mouth, you shall be saved. Does that just mean born again saved? Not for a moment. See, we do this, this passage so much injustice because we say, if you believe in your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe He's raised you from the dead, you shall be saved. That's the truth. But then how does that scripture pertain to me after I'm saved? Because if I believe in, in, in my heart, and I con- if I believe God's word, and I confess with my mouth, I shall be saved, delivered, sanctified, rescued, made whole. See, I believe that we participate in in the deliverance. We're co-partners with God in that. I'm just going to be honest with you because I think he waits for us to say yes to his amen, to what he's already settled in heaven. He waits for us to say, yes, I believe it. And I believe it so much that I'm going to confess it with my mouth. And I believe that that is going to deliver me. It's going to deliver my circumstances. It's going to rescue me from this hard situation. I believe it with all of my heart. You see, we have to decide what we believe. Because that's what, when we make that decree, it cuts off the enemy's plans. It exterminates him. Remember last week we talked about uh, the, the voles in my lawn who pushed my every button, and they were destroying my property. And I would sit back and just play with them, basically, that they would have a good time with me. They were annoying the socks off of me. I'd spray them with my water hose. I'd try everything to, to get rid of these mol- these voles, and then Dave called an exterminator. And he brought a little piece, just a brick, and those voles ate it, and they did not bother us any longer. And so for a whole summer, probably longer than a summer, I was so irritated, and and they like occupied my every thought because I wanted to get rid of them, and I couldn't. I was powerless until I called the exterminator. So the next summer when they came back, I said, Dave, don't worry. I know how we're going to handle this. We're going to exterminate them. We're going to put the poison back out again, and we're going to exterminate them. And you see, that's what the enemy does. He comes like my voles, trying to annoy you, trying to destroy your property, your life. He, he tries to invade your, pro- your, 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 your well-being and your, your property, so to speak. And, and what you do is you play with him like I did my voles. When what you need to do is call the exterminator, and that's the decree. Remember, the decree, the word decree means to exterminate, to, to destroy to cut off the plan, and that's how we do it, by using God's word, and that's what we talked about last week, but this week, I want to pick up in Hebrews 11, if you have your Bibles, open them to Hebrews 11, chapter 1, or verse 1, you see, we have to decide that we are going to believe God above everything else. That we're going to believe God beyond what we're seeing in the natural. Who knows that that we are not natural beings. We're supernatural beings. The Bible says that the things of the spirit, the things of God, are spiritually discerned. And the natural man cannot understand them. I can go through this room and I can tell who's sitting here and their natural man. Because I can see you're totally lost or you're zoning out thinking about what you're going to do tomorrow. You brought your natural man. And the Bible says that the things of the spirit are spiritually discerned and the natural man cannot understand them. We have to tap into the spirit man inside of us. And so uh, that's what faith really is. Faith is it, it's, it is it is walking according to the spirit and not according to the flesh. The natural man can't understand faith because what the natural man wants to do is, is he wants to look at what's happening in the natural and let that dictate him. But we are spirit beings. Do you understand that? We're spirit beings. We just happen to live in a body. But we are a spirit. The Bible says God is a spirit and those who worship him must worship him in Spirit and truth, so if I want to understand God, if i don 't comprehend God, I have to come to him with my spirit man and I live in the natural, and we are brought here from, from God put us on earth and gave us His holy Spirit to guide and direct us so that even though we 're living in the natural, we can live above the natural, in the supernatural. Do you see it? Am I losing you? But what happens is because we're living here in this world today and the natural things are going on around us, job loss, sickness, disease, prodigal children, addiction, financial loss, come on, what else? Worries, fears, anxieties, they all come at us because we're in the natural realm. But the trick is to get out of the natural realm into the supernatural realm. Yes, praise God. But that takes faith, and without faith, it's impossible to please God. Hebrews 11.1, I want to read it to you in the Amplified. It says, now faith is the assurance, the title deed, the confirmation of things hoped for, divinely guaranteed. I just want to stop right there because it's coming through my head, and I don't have it in my notes, so Lord, you're going to have to help me. Faith is the title deed. The title deed. If Dave and I went home tonight, we have the title deed for our house. Can I tell you? It belongs to us. And if we went home tonight and there was a robber that moved into our house and he had packed all his stuff and, and just threw ours out in the driveway and he had moved into our house, would we go in there and, and he said, you know, you can't be here. This belongs to me. Would we say, okay, we'll just go down the street and move in with Don and Leslie? Would we do that? no way. I would call the authorities and I would get the deed out of our safe and I would say, this is evidence that it belongs to us. Get him out. You will not be here. You will not take up residency here. You have no business in my stuff. But faith is the title deed It's your title deed that when the enemy moves in and he tries to take over your life, he tries to kick out your peace, he tries to kick out your well-being, he tries to kick out your joy, he tries to take your child, he tries to bring addiction and grab a hold of you. You need to take the title deed of faith. You need to take the word of God and say, I'm calling the authorities. Lord, your word says... Your word says, this is my title deed. This is what I'm entitled to as a believer, and I will not sit back and settle down and let the enemy of my soul move in and take what belongs to me. Come on, we've got to get this in our spirit. Church is more than Sunday morning. Praise the Lord, how you doing? We did our our spiritual thing for the week. Let's check it off. This was given to you so that you could have power, everything you need for life. And godliness has been given to you. It's in you. But we got to tap into it. We got to tap into it. So faith is the assurance, the title deed, the confirmation of things hoped for, divinely guaranteed. Can I tell you, this stuff is divinely guaranteed. And it's the evidence of things not seen. Faith is the evidence of things not seen. It's not the evidence of things I see. You see, if I, have, uh, if I have lots of money in the bank, I can see it. I don't need faith to believe for it. Are you with me? So faith is the assurance of things hoped for, divinely guaranteed, the evidence of things not seen, the conviction of the reality. Here's what I want you to see. Faith comprehends as fact what cannot be experienced The physical senses. Oh, I love that. Faith comprehends as fact what cannot be experienced by the physical senses. So you see, so God's promise to you might not uh, be appearing in the natural, it might even appear impossible. (laughs) But faith comprehends as fact. It's a fact, Jack. Everything in this Bible is a fact, Jack. Faith comprehends this as fact. Even though my physical senses, my eyes are seeing something different, my ears are hearing something different. Faith comprehends as fact. You see, that's what God waits for. I think it was Oral Roberts that used to say, If God said it, I believe it, that settles it. And that's so good. If God said it, I believe it, that settles it. We talked last week about Abraham and how the Bible says that when God came to Abraham. Now, now you need to understand Abraham. He, he was old, an old man. The Bible says he was past childbearing age. The Bible says that he and his wife were barren. That means they had tried to have children all of their marriage, and they couldn't. <laughs> and God comes to him, and he gives him a promise. He says, you're going to be the father of many nations. right. Do you know how old I am? At past childbearing age, that means, I'm just sorry, men, if this this bothers you, but eh, menopause. Sarah had already been through, praise the Lord for menopause. Sarah had already been through menopause. She was not having another baby. It was not possible in the natural. And God's promise, the supernatural promise of God, came to Abraham. He said, hey, Abraham, you're going to be the father of many nations. And the Bible says that Abraham, look at this scripture. The Bible says that Abraham, contrary to hope, that means (laughs) it was contrary. (laughs) It was silly to even hope for such a thing. Contrary to hope, in hope believed, so that he became the father of many nations according to what God had spoken. And not being weak in faith, oh, he wasn't weak in total trust for God. He did not even consider his own body. He didn't let his mind think about the fact that he was too old for this. He didn't even visit the fact that, that Sarah had already been through menopause. He didn't sit there all day and say, God, how are you going to do this? Because you know what? We've been trying a very long time, and I don't even know how this is going to be. He didn't even consider it. He knew that God settled, settled it. He believed it, and, and, and that settled everything. God said it, he believed it, and that settled it. So he didn't waver at the promise of God. See, our problem is we waver at the promise of God. We don't actually believe this. We don't have it settled in our mind that it's already settled in heaven. He was fully convinced, Scripture says, that what God had promised he was able to perform. And God counted that to him as righteousness. I told you last week that I read that, and the Lord said to me, Ria, you're always wanting to, to be righteous. You're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, but you, you always are, are, are careful. You want to stay right with me. You want to do what's right before me, and that's noble, but here's what I call righteous, that when you believe me. Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him, accredited to him as righteousness, as right living, being right before God. Can I tell you, this word is forever settled in heaven. We can trust this word. I promise you, this is, this is written by a God who cannot lie. If he says something in this word, it is truth. You can take it to the bank and cash it in. It is truth. It's not like, like the friend who betrayed you, who talked about you behind your back and, and didn't mean what they were saying. It's not about the husband who left you and you couldn't trust his word. Can I promise you, you can trust God's word. And we have got to get to that place in our life where we believe that above everything else Abraham did. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, for we walk by faith and not by sight. I like the amplified. It says, we, we, don't live our, we, we live our lives in a manner consistent with our confident belief in God's promises. For we walk by faith, not by sight, living our lives in a manner consistent with our confident belief in God's promises. Do you have confident belief in God's promises? You see, we need to learn to to let God's word dictate to us and not the natural, not what we're seeing in the natural. Galatians 2.20 in the Amplified says, I've been crucified with Christ. That is, in him I have shared his crucifixion. And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Here's what I want you to see. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith, by adhering to, relying on, and completely trusting in the Son of God who loved me. And gave himself up for me. You see, we have to get to the place that no matter what's happening in the natural or how impossible our situations might appear, we need to learn to lean on, adhere to, and rely on God's word only. Because his word is powerful, it's active, and it never returns void Isaiah 55 9 through 10 says for as the rain and snow come down from heaven and do not return there without watering the earth making it bare and sprout and providing seed to the sower and bread to the eater so will my word be which goes out from my mouth it will not return to me void It will not return to me useless, without result, without accomplishing what I desire, and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. This is God speaking. And he's saying, my word will never return to me void. It won't come back to me useless. It won't come back to me without performing the thing for which I sent it to do. The Bible says he sent his word to what? Heal us. I can give you scripture after scripture after scripture of his promises. And those promises, when we quote them over our life, when we decree them, when we believe them, when we confess with our mouth, we will believe unto salvation, deliverance. He will do it. That scripture says we can decree it over our lives and it will be established unto us and the light will shine upon our way. It's interesting to me that that scripture in Job 22, uh, in in some of your translations are translated a little differently. I read it to you out of the New King James. It's the one I like. But the, the, the NIV is fascinating to me there because it says, it doesn't use the word decree at all. If you decree a thing, it doesn't say decree. It says this. It says, what you decide on will be done, and light will shine on your ways. What you will decide on will be done. That, that's interesting to me because many of you, you know the scripture that says, out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks, okay? You know that. And, and so out of the abundance of the heart, what is the heart again? Tell me one more time. Your mind, your will, your emotions, out of the abundance of your your mind, what you're thinking on, what you're meditating on, (laughs) your mouth is going to speak. Are you with me? Stay with me here. And and so, in other words, the confession of our mouth, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, out of the confession of our mouth is what's going to flow out of our mouth is what we're thinking on or meditating on. So what you decide that the NIV says what you decide on will be done and so turn over to Romans 10:10 that's the scripture I just quoted to you this and I told you this verse is so much more than about being born again it says with the how the heart a person believes resulting in righteousness but with the mouth he confesses resulting in salvation. That, that word salvation means safety, preservation, rescue, health. It, it means that which conduces the soul s- the soul's safety or salvation. The word confession means to say the same thing as another, to declare openly or speak out freely. Uh, so when I confess with my mouth, I'm, I'm declaring freely. I'm speaking out what God says. I'm, I, I'm, I'm agreeing with God about what he says, okay? So back to M.I.V., Look at that. Put it back up on the screen, Don. What you decide on will be done, and light will shine on your ways. I want you to see that what you decide on, out of the abundance of the heart, my mouth will speak. What I decide on, I will speak, and I'll have that. I'm going to decree what I decide on. Are you with me? Stay with me. That's why it's so important that that, that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart are acceptable unto the Lord. That I'm thinking on what He's thinking on, I'm saying what He's saying. Because whatever you speak, you're going to get. Whatever you decree, it will be given to you, it'll be established for you. That's what Scripture says. That's not what Rhea says, it's what Scripture says. If you decree a thing, it will be established for you. (laughs) Whatever you decide on, you will have. Whatever you're meditating on and thinking on, you will have because that will be the thing that you speak out of your mouth. Are you with me? The Bible says we need to guard our hearts because out of them flow the issues of life. I like the New Living Translation. It says, guard your heart above all else for it determines your course of life. Guard your heart, your mind, your will, your emotions. Guard what you're thinking on above all else because out of it, flow the issues of life, uh, for from it determines your course of life, the way your life is going to go. See, I think we have some say in how our life goes. We will either come into agreement. The Bible says, how can two walk together unless they're in agreement? How do we want to walk with God unless we're agreeing with his word? And by default, if we're not walking with God, who are we walking with? The enemy. The enemy. How can two walk together unless they're in agreement? If I'm in agreement with the enemy, I'm a loser. I'm never going to amount to anything. Nobody loves me. Everybody leaves me. God doesn't love me. Guess who I'm in agreement with? Can two walk together unless they're in agreement? I don't even know where this all came from. I need to get back to my notes. (laughs) Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. We need to make up our mind if we decide in favor of what God says and begin to confess that and meditate on that and let that come out of our mouth. Or if we'll listen to the lies and fear-producing thoughts that the enemy sends, and let those negative confessions come out of our mouth. I'm just going to tell you, I'm way off my notes tonight, but I have to go with it. The Bible says that the enemy—he has a lot of names, doesn't he? He's—he's he's what the liar, he's a deceiver, he's what the 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 accuser of the brethren, he's the devil. And the word devil in the original language—now it's not in my notes, so don't quote me word for word—but the word devil is diabolos. It means one who comes alongside. Who knows that the enemy is a defeated foe? In case this is a revelation to you, let me just tell you something. The enemy has no power in your life. He is a defeated foe. You belong to Christ. The only only power the enemy has in our life is what we surrender to him. And this is how he gets it. He's diabolos, one who comes alongside, the word means, and throws. Looking to get penetration. What do you think he throws? Fiery hours. Turn over. Very good. Let's just look at that while you're there. You guys are a step ahead of me. Turn over to Ephesians six nineteen. Lord help me find that now that we're way ahead. There you guys are good. Ephesians six nineteen, I think, because you're ahead of my notes. Above all else, lift up the protective shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Somebody remind me where I just was with Diabolos. But, so you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. So I, I like actually, uh, there, some of your translations will say flaming arrows. Some of yours will say fiery darts. I heard somebody use that word tonight. But, but my favorite is flaming missiles. That's the amplified um, and, and those fiery darts, those flaming missiles, how do they come? In form of what? One who's called alongside, throwing, looking to get penetration. What's he throwing? Thoughts, lies, because that's, the, he's a liar. Lies are his native language. He's the father of lies. He can't speak anything else. So everything he speaks is a lie. That means if he's coming and, and, and throwing, he's throwing lies, accusations, lies, deception. And he's trying to gain penetration. How does he get penetration? We let him. How do we let him? By not taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Diabolos, one who comes along throwing, and he throws until he gets penetration. Does he quit the first time? No, he keeps throwing. Did he throw at Christ over and over and over? And, and then he left until a more opportune time. When, when Christ wasn't so ready and, and, and he catch him with his guard down. Are you with him? Are you with me? The, the, the enemy, Lord, keep me on my notes. The enemy, he, the Bible says he came before the throne of, of heaven and, and he's there with all of God's angels, which is just a story all on its own right there. I want to know why. And, and, and God says to him, Satan, Lucifer, Satan, where have you been? And he says, I've been roaming. This is Rhea's loose translation. I've been roaming the world looking for vulnerabilities and weaknesses. I'm roaming. Your enemy roams like a, a lion seeking whom he might devour. He's roaming, and he's looking for vulnerabilities and weaknesses. Can I tell you, your vulnerability is not mine. My vulnerability is not yours, and the enemy knows exactly what it takes to bring us down because he has been watching, and he, is, he, is, he takes his time. He's not in any hurry. He just wants to bring us down and he's calculated, and he knows exactly what your weakness is, and he knows exactly what my weakness is, and when he throws, because he's looking to get penetration, he throws trying to get to our weaknesses. Because tell me something that's not my weakness, and I'm going to laugh you off. But hit me in my weakness, and you might get some penetration. And so his fiery darts come, his flaming missiles (laughs) come. Lord, help me. How many of you watched the Gulf War on TV? It was the first one that we could ever watch on TV. It was pretty pretty wild to watch. Dave told me it was the Gulf War II, which I, I didn't know. But um, if you watched it, it was the first, I think it was the first time, wasn't it, that they used these computer-generated missiles? Maybe not. But you know what I'm talking about, cruise missiles. And, and they they could be here in the United States and program it, and fire it over, and it was so perfectly um, calculated that it would hit the target immediately. With with you know, it w- it would take them out. It was perfect, and they were precision fired. They 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 were calculated. They they never missed. They were spot on. They hit their target perfectly. <laughs> you see, the enemy has flaming missiles, and he could try to get penetration. But God's word, what are they called, Dave? What are those missiles called? God's word is a cruise missile. It never misses its target. It thoroughly destroys. It exterminates. If I'm not wrong, they they could shoot a missile up from Baghdad and, and they could knock it out of the sky with their other missile. Is that right? What was that called? The Israelis, God's people, have that, where they can, they can knock it out of the sky. Are you following me? So the enemy has fiery darts and flaming missiles, and but we got. What are they called? Patriot missiles, Patriot missiles. Iron Dome, shoot them out of the sky. Can't even touch me. Can't touch me. Do, do, do. I, I, that's God's word, guys. Why would we not use God's word? Why would we not use God's word? Turn over to Genesis 1. (coughs) I'm promising. I'm finishing. I'm getting you out early. (laughs) Genesis 1. You all know this story. You know this scripture. I want to teach you about God's word and how important it is. The Bible says in Genesis 1, verse 1, in the beginning, in the beginning, before there was anything, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And here's what I want you to see. And God said, God said, let there be light and there was light and God saw the light and that it was good. And then you go down to verse six, and God said, "Let there be this," and there was. And, and verse nine, God said, "Let the waters under the heavens be gathered," and it was so. And God saw, and He saw it was good. Then God said, verse eleven, "Let the earth do this," and, and it was so. And God saw it. And then fourteen, and God said, "Let there be this," and, and it was so. And God saw it. And then in verse twenty, and God said, "Let there be this," and, and it was so. And God saw it. And then verse twenty-four, and God said let this be so, and it was so, and God saw it, and then 26, then God said over and over and over in the creation story, because God is the creator, and, and we see the entrance of, do you know what the word Genesis means? Does anybody know what the word Genesis means? The origin or the beginning of all things, so God is saying, here, let me just tell you about the beginning of all things in our life, not just the beginning of creation, but in our life, the beginning of all things starts with? And God said, God said, let there be, and there was, and he saw it. See, when we say let there be, when we use God's words because God's words are so powerful. It has creative power to it. God took nothing and brought something out of it. He took chaos and brought order to it. That's what he can do in your life. And, and we get to be. The Bible says, verse 26 says, let us make man in our image. And in our likeness. And let's give them dominion. Let's give them authority over all the earth. Okay, some of you missed that. Because we are, he didn't say let Rhea be. He said let's make Rhea in my image. And in my likeness. And let's give her authority on the earth. Hmm. Let's teach her to rule. Let's give her dominion. Let's let her rule her spirit, her, her, her soul. Let, let's let her rule her, the situations in her natural life. Let's give her dominion because she's created in my image and in my likeness. And God is, we're seeing right here in this passage that God is what? One commentator I read said, God is a speaking spirit. Nothing happened until God spoke. And I'm just going to tell you, nothing's going to happen in your life until you speak. But the Bible says that the mouth is the power of life and death. It can work both ways. You can speak negative or you can speak positive. You can speak blessing or you can speak curses. It's up to you. But we are created in God's image and in God's likeness. We were created to be speaking spirits. We were created and given authority to use his word, his powerful word. His powerful word is, is so amazing that it, takes, it can take nothing and bring something from it. It creates a new reality. And so God, when God stepped into the earthly realm, he created reality with his mouth, with his speaking. And we are in the earthly realm, and we are created in God's image and in his likeness. And we are created to be speaking spirits. Do you know that we are the only creation of God that speaks? I mean, I used to like to think my dog spoke, but he really didn't. My grandma had a, had a, 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 a parrot who would say, Marie, her name was Marie. And, and, and every morning he would say, Marie. And, and then he would say things like, pretty boy, pretty boy. And, and so her parrot could speak but it was because she trained that parrot to speak. It didn't have a mind to speak. We are the only creation that can speak. And if you think that was on uh, accident, you're wrong. We were created in his image and in his likeness and in the origin of all things. God started it out by speaking. And he expects his people to use their mouth to speak, to give creative ability, to change chaos into order, to bring light into darkness. Oh, I just look for opportunities to step into darkness and to bring the light of God's Word in the beginning. In the origin of all things, God spoke and His his Word created a new reality. And that is part of our design, to be speaking spirits. God's word has power. And in Genesis and throughout Scripture, we see that we live in a voice-activated realm. Words are carriers. They can carry life or they can carry death. We talked last week about Proverbs 18, 21, that says life and death are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it and indulge in it will eat its fruit and bear the consequences of their words. I believe that we can bring adverse conditions into our life because of the confession of our mouth. And God's plan for our lives is that we bear good fruit through our confession. Turn over to uh, Isaiah 57. I promise this is it and that I'm going to finish. Isaiah 57, 19. I don't know if we have this done, but Isaiah 57, 19. I create the fruit of the lips. Peace, peace to him who is far off and to him who is near, says the Lord, and I will heal him. I create the fruit of the lips. If you look up that word create, it's the same word that's used in Genesis 1. It means to form, to fashion, to create something new out of nothing. He creates the fruit of our lips. Are you with me? The word fruit is seed. It's what germinates. It really is our words. God creates, he forms, he fashions the fruit of our words. God has delegated that the fruit of our lives would be determined by what we speak. And the enemy is really aware of that as well. That, that's why that we, we talked about the fiery darts and the flaming missiles of the enemy. We read that scripture in, in Ephesians 6, 16 that, that says, you know, raise the, the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the enemy. You see, he's a defeated foe. He was defeated on the cross of Calvary. He has no power, but, but he will try those fiery darts. He'll shoot those flaming missiles into our lives. And our job is to raise that shield of faith and begin to agree with God and God's word. And when that happens, those missiles bounce right off. He says, I create the fruit of their lips. I'm going to form whatever you say. I'm going to fashion it in your life. I'm going to fashion it in your life. It's interesting. I was looking up that shock and awe because I needed to find out this information. Dave and I were talking about it. and, And he said, I think it was during the second Gulf War. So I started looking it up to see which one it was. And I happened to come across a quote, which was fascinating. I couldn't have planned it better. It was by the principal architect of shock and awe. His name was... Harlan Ullman. This is his quote. Listen to this. This is a secular man just quoting something about the shock and awe. What we want to do, this is when they created the shock and awe, those missiles. What we want to do is create in the minds of the Iraqi leadership and their soldiers this shock and awe. So they're intimidated, made to feel so impotent, so helpless, that they have no choice but to do what we want them to do. So the smartest thing is to say, this is hopeless, we quit. Here's the guy that created the shock and all these missiles, and he's saying the point of us creating it is that when we're firing it at the enemy in Iraq, that they say this is hopeless, we're impotent, we're powerless against it, let's just give up and quit. Do you know that you have an enemy who's created the same kind of shock and awe in your life and he wants you to just get so overwhelmed by the circumstances of your life that you just say it's hopeless, I'm impotent, there's nothing I can do. And I'm just here to tell you tonight, little Israelite, that you need to get that gold dome or whatever it's called, and you need to fire back and knock that thing out of the air because you are not gonna be destroyed. You might be knocked down, but you're not gonna be destroyed. And we have got to, to get to the point where we believe God's word. We believe God's word. James talks about the tongue and, and he, he relates it to, to a rudder on a boat and how this big massive boat has this little rudder and that rudder controls the course of the boat. And, and it's a picture, James is using this to give us a picture of how powerful our tongue is that it can control the course of our life. With our mouth, we make confession unto salvation. Last scripture is 1 John John 1. In the beginning, before all time, was the word, Christ. And the word was with God, and the word was God himself, He was present originally with God. All things were made that came into existence through him, and without him, not even one thing was made that came into being. Does somebody have the NIV because I want to read it from there? Anybody have the NIV? May I read it? Oh, you even got some nice big print here, so let's just read it. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made. Okay, in him was life, and the life was the light of all mankind, okay? So let's translate that. So in the beginning was, was what? The Word. (laughs) It's who we know as Jesus. So Jesus is the Word. In the beginning was the Word. And without the Word... Nothing is made. And the word was life. And the word was light for all mankind. Oh, you're not following me. In the beginning, the origin of all things was the word. And the word was life. The Bible says that the the earth is sustained by the power of his word that it upholds and it maintains and it propels all things, the entire physical and spiritual universe by a powerful word, carrying the universe along with its predetermined goal. You see, nothing exists without the word. The word calls things that are not as though they were. Faith calls things that are not as though they were. The, the word speaks and it brings things into existence, and that's why faith, is so important that we believe God's word and we use that word to call things into existence, to speak things into to existence, to create realities in the natural that, we, uh, that agree with the supernatural. See, some of you are in agreement with what's happening in your natural. You're defeated by it. And God's word says something completely different is yours. I, I'm memorizing this new scripture, so I'll probably butcher it. It's in my car. You know how I always quote the scripture, God is with me like a mighty warrior? Well, this week I found another part of that scripture I hadn't seen before. Leslie, can you just Google it real quick so I don't misquote it? But, but I, I, I found another part of this. I, I, had, I had somebody say some, some smack about me this week. It, God is with me like a mighty warrior. Just go to that. Um, I had somebody talk smack about me this week, and it came back to me. Ooh, you don't want to do that to me. Can I just tell you? Because, see, I know how to battle, I know how to fight. And, and so I, I was just praying about this person. Did you find it? Yeah, but give me the whole thing. So I was talking to God about this person, and I believe in decrees. And so I, I said, Lord, I thank you so much that you're with me like a mighty warrior. And the Lord said, look it up. So I'm like, Lord, thank you that you're with me. This is how a decree works. Thank you that you're with me like a mighty warrior. That my persecutors will stumble and not prevail They will fail and be thoroughly disgraced. So I just got a hold of that this week. And instead, every time I wanted to say, I can't even believe they said something so mean about me, Lord. I said, oh, Lord, I thank you that you're with me like a mighty warrior and that my persecutors (laughs) will not prevail. They will fail and not prevail. And they will be thoroughly disgraced. You see how it works? So every time the enemy would be like, they said that about you. I'd be like, I'm not going to worry about that. Where before I would have gone to bed and midnight, like, I can't believe they said that about me. Dave, can you believe they said that about me? That's how I would have been. But you see, I got a hold of declarations. <laughs> I got a hold of, I'm bringing a heavenly reality and what God says about people who persecute, and I'm bringing it to earth. And I'm saying, Lord, I thank you that you're with me like a mighty warrior, and that my persecutors, oh, I just got to get it right because I still don't have it completely memorized, but they will stumble and not prevail. They will fail and be thoroughly disgraced. I don't even need to worry about them. Where before, I would have laid in bed and been like, and if I see them, I'm going to say this to them, and if they say this back, I'm going to say this. Are you with me? (laughs) How childish is that? (laughs) How defeating is that? Instead, I'm like, Lord, this is your business. I just thank you so much that you're with me like a mighty warrior, and my persecutors will stumble and not prevail, and they will fail and be thoroughly disgraced. So there you have it. And that's a declaration. That's how it it works. I don't think God wants us to use them like that, but I did. I have a list of declarations that I recite every day. I have one for my Mason. I have a list of declarations for Alton. I have a list of declarations for my children. I have a list of declarations declarations for my own life. I, I repeat them. I get in the car. I repeat them. Dave and I have been just recently. We started um, reciting and and declaring Psalm 103: uh, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not. I'm talking to my soul. Don't forget His benefits. Who forgives all my sins? Who who heals all, not some? Who heals all my diseases? Who redeems my life from the pit? Who crowns me with love and compassion? Who satisfies my desires? With good things, and who renews my youth like the eagles. And we've been, we just been saying it together every morning. Because when that gets in you, thank you, Lord, you, des- you satisfy my desires with good things. Thank you that you renew my youth because I need it renewed like the eagles. Thank you that you heal all my diseases. I'm commanding every disease that, that tries to get within me any illness, any infirmity to be gone because God heals all my diseases. And he satisfies my life with good things. I, I, I got to found a scripture this week that says that I will go to the grave in full vigor. I started decreeing it. See, I've always decreed that my eyesight is not growing dim and my youthful vigor is not diminishing, but now this week I add it to it. Thank you, Lord, that my eyesight is not growing dim, and my youthful vigor is not diminishing, and I will go to the grave in full vigor. I am not going to die a brutal death. I am going to the grave in full vigor. It's a declaration. See what happens when you start looking. People call me all week long asking Leslie, can we get a copy of declarations? No. You have a copy right here. Dig. Dig. You see, when you dig for them yourself, you'll get like I am where it gets in you. and you can't, I, Right now, if you go to my car, it, right by my, my speedometer is, a, is a, a scripture verse that I'm memorizing. And it's because I'm constantly, I have it in front of my head all the time. It's on my phone. I'm always putting it in front of me, trying to get it in me because it's truth. And it is the only truth that we can believe. And so why would we not spend time getting it within me? Je- uh, uh, Jesus said, let the weak say, I am strong. He's saying, make the declaration that, that you are strong. Stop saying you're weak. Say you're strong. Uh, I looked that scripture up this week, and, and one of the other translations says, let the, weakly, the weakling say, I am mighty. Or let the weak man say, I am a warrior. So some of you that deal with fear need to start saying, I am mighty. I am a warrior. Do you see how that works? Let the weak say, I'm strong. I'm going to declare something completely different than what I'm feeling. That's a declaration. The Bible says, uh, uh, faith comes by and hearing the word of God. So I- I'm telling you, I, I, people probably think I'm crazy. If you stop at a stoplight and you're ever beside me, I'm probably in my car with my mouth going. And they probably think I'm talking to myself, but I'm saying decrees in my car. My car's anointed. I'm telling you, but I'm saying decrees in my car, and, and and because I want to hear myself saying them, I say them out loud. I want the enemy to hear me say them. I say them out loud, and, and because faith comes by, and the more I hear that word, I I just found a decree. Uh, you have to be careful with this, so don't don't just listen to any of them. But I found a, a YouTube video of. Scripture verses that they just read. It's three hours of Scripture verses just reading. And when I am working, I have it on in the background on my headphones. Dave came up to me the other day, and what are you listening to? I'm listening to (laughs) decrees. He's like, oh, you want them for Monday night? I said, no, I need them for my life. I'm listening to them while I'm drying my hair. I'm listening to them while I'm working. And I figure even if I'm not hearing it, I'm hearing it. And faith comes by hearing. And hearing the word of God. Now you have to be careful with that. Don't just turn on YouTube because there are a lot of people. I, I bought a book um, and the, this woman had some decrees in it. But they weren't decrees. They were her words with some of God's word. You just want to decree God's word. A- and so be very careful if you're going to take shortcuts like that. That you have, look, look the scriptures up and make sure they're right out of the word of God. So, good. So we're, wait till next week. It's my just favorite. It's going to be good stuff. So, um, yeah, I had to not jump there tonight. So uh, any questions about decrees? Remember, a decree is coming from a kingly authority, a, a, a legal. It's a legal binding decree. That's why you can hold it up to God and say, you said this. It's legal. It has the whole force of heaven behind it. And so, when we make a decree, what we're doing is we're heralding God's decree. It's God's decree. We're declaring it. We're proclaiming it. Are you with me? So, if you decree a thing, it shall be established for you, and light will shine on your path. So, Father, I pray for every man and woman here tonight. I'm asking you, Lord, to give us deeper revelation into your word and into an understanding about decrees and declarations and Lord, we want to understand, we want to partner with you in bringing heaven to earth. And, and Lord, we want to see your word established on this earth and in our lives. And so, Father, I pray that as people leave this place, that the spirit of wisdom and revelation would just continue to rest upon them and that your word would just continue to come alive and that you would continue to guide and lead us in all paths of righteousness, I pray. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.